Let's turn to our Bibles again, John 19, starting at verse 30. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. So far, the reading of God's word. Beloved in the Lord, who am I at the cross of Jesus Christ? We recognize ourselves in the Romans. Our transgression nailed Christ to the cross. We recognize ourselves in the Jews. We, that natural man, that natural hatred for God and our neighbor, we wish to accuse Christ, the innocent man, rather than have the depths of our sin revealed. The judgment of God is revealed on the cross of Christ against all unrighteousness. As Peter later says in Acts, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus you have crucified. Considering who was at the crucifixion, Romans, Jews, Gentiles, this address to Israel is also addressed to all men. Paul says in Acts 17, These times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now he calls all people everywhere to repent. The cross is a place of grief, for our sin sent the Son of God to the cross, and we all have a part in his crucifixion. Hopefully, we also recognize ourselves in the disciple whom Jesus loved and the woman at the foot of the cross. We are grieved that our Lord is there. We are grieved that we continue to wander away from our Lord, even as the disciples forsook their Lord in the moment of trial. The glory of this cross is that we may put our sin on the cross of Christ. Our sin dies in Christ. And for those who look upon the cross with true repentance and trust, they, we, also see ourselves on the cross with Jesus. The way of the cross is the way of life. The death of Jesus is the source and sustenance of our eternal life. We die to ourselves in, in Christ's cross, and in doing so, we are lifted up to him in the Holy Spirit and receive eternal life. 
And in the book of John, the Holy Spirit takes some time to demonstrate, after Jesus has already died, he seeks to demonstrate that this dead body of Jesus Christ will be a source of life, eternal life. I bring you the word of the Lord under the theme, God reveals that the dead Messiah is the source of life. It has just been revealed to us that the work of Christ is over. Christ has cried out those words, it is finished. The suffering of Christ is over. It's done. No more sacrifice needs to be made. The wrath of God has been satisfied. The judgment of God is finished. Once again, we are to wonder in amazement that even as the Son of God dies, He's in control. He's in control even of the moment when He lets His Spirit come out of his body. And this only underscores the irony that runs through the narrative about Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection in the book of John. Ultimately, ultimately, it's not the Christ who was on trial. It's the world that's on trial. The Romans prided themselves in justice. And Christ reveals that that desire for justice is fake. The Jews prided themselves on their national identity, and they crucify their own king. The world does not triumph at the cross. Christ goes to the cross as the king. It says so in the plaque above his head. And now the dead body of Christ continues to demonstrate that Christ has come to fulfill the law and the prophets for the sake of his church. We're told in verse 31 that Christ died on the day of preparation. It's the day before the Sabbath, Friday. Because it was the day of preparation, the Jews desire to take the bodies down from the cross. And they draw this from Deuteronomy 21, verses 22 to 23. There, God commands the people of Israel to remove the criminal who was hung on a tree before the next day, lest that criminal defile the land. Now, this law was applied to the death of a criminal on any day of the week, but of course, if the criminal were to stay up on the cross on the Sabbath day, that would be far worse than any regular day of the week, at least in the mind of the Jews. But at this time, it's the Romans who are in charge, not the Jews. And the Jews need to be careful how much they ask of the Romans. If there is any day that they do not want the, the body of a criminal to remain on the cross, it would be the Sabbath day. And so they request that the Romans finish the job they started before the next day begins. And it's just interesting to see here. Christ continues to fulfill the law even after he has died. 
The reason crucifixion was such a terrible death, such a shameful death, was because it took a long time. You see, on a cross, it often took a couple days to die. The reason the Jews asked the Romans to break the legs of the criminals on the cross was so that the process of death would go faster. Breaking the legs of those crucified would cause one to suffocate on one's own weight. You see, Christ's death within one day was an unusual one. And it's clear from our reading that the Jews and Romans thought that Christ was probably still alive. And so the Romans go out and break the legs of the criminals. They do that and they come to Christ and they find that he is already dead. They did not break his legs, but one of the soldiers, maybe to make sure that Jesus is actually dead, pierces Christ's side. Ultimately, an easier way to kill someone than breaking their legs. Immediately, we're told, blood and water came out of Jesus' side. John carries on by assuring us that he has witnesses to these events in verse 35. Most people had picture we get is that most people are, are gone by this time. And this witness assures us that Christ actually died on the cross. Immediately before our text, we, are, we have been told that Christ has given up his spirit. And John proves this through the witness of the soldiers. They confirmed that Christ was truly dead. There's no room for theories that Jesus fainted on the cross and was revived in the tomb. But for John, there's a lot more going on here as well. The dead body of Christ is fulfilling the scriptures. Verse 36 tells us that the scriptures foretold that not one of his bones would be broken. John is referring here to how God taught the Israelites that they should not break the bones of the Passover lamb. John underscores the point that he has brought out before. Here is the lamb of God, the lamb of God who will die for the sins of the world. Why is this matter of the bones so important? Bones signify strength courage, the wholeness, and the integrity of a person. In the midst of his suffering, God keeps the integrity of his servant. In the Psalms, bones waste away due to sinful silence, while God keeps the bones of his faithful servant, according to Psalm 34. So God is keeping the integrity of his son even while he suffers the wrath of God. God keeps his body whole, unified, together, even in death. Whatever reason the soldiers had for refraining from breaking Jesus' legs, they certainly were not the type to refrain from doing that merely because Jesus was already dead. Whatever reason they had, God had a greater purpose. And there is more. The soldier who pierced Jesus' side was also unknowingly fulfilling all righteousness. 
John quotes from Zechariah 12. They shall look on him whom they have pierced. As Jesus has prophesied earlier in the book of John, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Now he is lifted up. He has been pierced. And now they shall look at him. In Zechariah 12, those who look upon him who is pierced mourn. But that mourning is followed by renewal from chapter 13, verse 1. On that day there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. This Reference puts the blood and water that come from Jesus' side in a new light. We look upon the one who is pierced, and from his side flows blood and water. Blood that cleanses us from uncleanness, and water that signifies the renewing power of the Spirit. This Messiah that is dead at this moment is shown to be the source of life. The passage here should also remind us of Genesis 2. God puts Adam into a deep sleep, literally a death-like sleep, and draws from his side Eve. Similarly, the church will be formed through the blood and the water from the side of Christ. You can especially think of, of the book of First John here, which talks about the signs of the sons of God. Water, blood, and the Spirit. God, through the sign of blood and water from the side of Christ, foretells the life he will give to those who look upon the one who is pierced and mourn because of the sin that put him there. And this is why this is why this Friday is good. Throughout the world today, the ambassadors of Christ present before the eyes of the world Christ crucified. You put him there. Your sin, our sin, your lust, your foolishness are wandering away from God. No matter who you are, your sin Put Christ on the cross, and you're called to repent. God has shown his love in a way that is inexpressibly deep, beyond our meager understanding. With this in mind, the proper response to the death of the Lord of glory is mourning, sadness, because of our sin, it was necessary that Christ die a horrible death, experiencing the wrath of God. Various hymns in the Christian tradition express this sadness. O sacred head now wounded, with grief and shame weighed down, now scornfully surrounded with thorns, thy only crown. And he adds, mine. Mine was the transgression, but yours the deadly pain. 
also. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. There's a deep realization in in the church that I am responsible for the death of Christ. And yet we do not stay in a state of mourning because this same Jesus has been raised from the dead, turning the cross from an instrument of shame and death to a source of life. The dead Christ is revealed to be a source of life on the cross because he will not stay dead. Another hymn writer channeling Zechariah 13, verse 1, and John 19, 34, says this, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. Our mourning before the cross of Christ turns to dancing, turns to glory, for he is the source of eternal life. He is the source of our renewal. Our sin put Christ on the cross. Christ takes away that sin and gives us, in return, his righteousness. The sin is gone. Life and righteousness are here. Out of the side of Christ comes his bride, the church, cleansed by the blood And being cleansed by the blood, a fitting dwelling for the Spirit. Christ is the first of a new type of man. A new Adam, a new creation, a new beginning. A river of living water that does not cease flowing. We are united. We as Christians are united to the death and resurrection of Christ. The sacrament of baptism helps explain the water and the blood that we see here. As our catechism says, the water we see poured out in the sacrament of baptism is a reminder of the blood of Christ which washes away all sin. The water is also a reminder of what we have been given in the Spirit, the Spirit who gives life, the Spirit who restores, the Spirit that unites us to Christ's death and resurrection. And in our unity with Christ, the other aspects of Christ's death become real, become ours as well. As I said at the beginning of the sermon, once we have come mourning for our sins before the cross of Christ, he directs us to the way of the cross. fact that the Son of God suffered in the flesh elevates the purpose of suffering for Christians as well. And this is where the revelation that Christ's bones were not broken affects us. If we are his, then what God says of Christ also belongs to us. Paul tells us that Christ tells the church that comes from his side You are bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. 
The integrity of Christ's body was not taken away. The strength of Christ's body remained with him. He chose when to die. It looked, it looked like Christ was losing. But the truth is, he was in strength the whole time. He was winning the whole time. He was in control as the soldiers came to cross to the cross to break the bones of those crucified on that day. Similarly with the church. The church today may be divided, but insofar as we confess the one Lord Jesus Christ, we are one body. Just so, we have a lot of sin in the church, and yet the Lord Jesus continues to share his strength with us. As we noted in the Psalms, in the Psalms, sin undermines the integrity of the bones so that they waste away. Yet by sharing in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that sin continues to be covered in the sight of heaven. As we confess so often in the Psalms, our Lord is our rock and our fortress. And most importantly, this strengthens the church when she is called to suffer for the sake of Jesus. When she is called to bear the cross for Jesus. This is the strength that's behind the martyrs who over the last 2,000 years were torn apart by lions, beheaded, burned at the stake. Even though their physical bones did not keep their integrity in the way Jesus' bones did, they could be confident that their flesh was held in trust at the right hand of God. Even when the church appears at its weakest, we may be confident that Christ continues to work out every detail of history for the sake of his church. If the cross is a place of irony, a place where Christ died, the end of his, the, the greatest moment of suffering in his life, but also the place where he was lifted up, exalted. So when the church, when the church is called to bear her cross, she also lifts up Christ. All the rage of Satan could not take away one ounce of control from Jesus as he went in obedience to the cross for our sake. And all the rage of Satan cannot damage the strength of the church. That's because the integrity and the strength of the church is at the right hand of God. We are safe in Jesus Christ. For your sake, the psalmist writes, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all this, we may have confidence in him who loves us. And this should also give us confidence as we move forward in our current crisis over COVID-19. Let us look to Christ all the more now as the one who keeps us intact, who keeps us from fear. 
We can be thankful that we have not yet been asked to die for Jesus Christ in the way many of our fathers in the faith were asked to. Yet God calls us still to bear witness in a time of fear. Some of us are afraid of the virus. Remember that Christ died so that we need have no fear of death or sickness. Some of us are afraid of what is happening in the economy. People are already getting hurt in our own circles by this lockdown. Let us remember that our treasures are in heaven with Christ at the right hand of God. Some of us are afraid of opportunities for tyranny. This crisis gives an opportunity for the government to add powers to itself that can be used for other agendas later on. As a nation, we've lost a sense of our freedom in Christ and are ripe for tyranny. Yet I know in all these things that Christ is my rock and my fortress. If God can preserve him through his death and resurrection, God will preserve his church in any suffering. The church will continue to be strong because her Lord is strong. He appeared to be weak, broken, shamed on the cross. Yet in all these things, God was exalting his son. The church may well grow stronger through these sufferings. God demonstrated on the cross that he can use death for the sake of life. We pray that in all these things, God may show in us Christ crucified. So that the river of blood and water from Christ's side may continue to spread and grow in the hearts of men. All glory be to God the Father. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's now stand and sing once again from hymn 30. And now we, having seen Christ die, now we sing of the festival to which our Lord invites us.